This is the Frogcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. The TCU Horned Frogs are 2-0 after their win in Dallas against SMU. Frogs moved to 2-0 in a game that is memorable and with some things you hope to forget. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, for those of you that are longtime listeners, we're going to have two shows for you this week. We're going to recap the weekend, and then um, late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, we're going to drop another show previewing Ohio State. So this is going to be a a look back, and then on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, we're going to have another show where we talk about the big game with game day, with Ohio State coming to Jerry World, with the Frogs, getting some national exposure there. Jeremy Pre-Show, we were talking a little bit. uh, You had a long day on Friday. Tell us a little bit about it. (laughs) Yeah, man, it was it's extremely long. First of all, I was I was up at five a.m. I, I didn't get much sleep from Thursday night. I think I got like five or six hours that night, and so I woke up five a.m. on Friday. And then, of course, you got the seven p.m. kickoff at SMU, and it gets delayed two hours. So by the time they finish the game, what is it? One o'clock, one thirty. We talked to GP. We talked to select players. By the time you do all that, get back up to the press box, write stories. I left out of SMU about 2.20, pulled into my driveway about 3.30 Saturday morning. So I was going on about 22 and a half hours of uh, no sleep. So it was about the, about the time I got west of Fort Worth and started hitting the countryside, and it's pitch black and not very many cars on I-20 or I-30 out by Alito Farm Road. Man, I started to get kind of kind of, uh, kind of tired, boys. I'm not going to lie. I almost had to call the wife and wake her up just to talk me, talk me into the driveway so I can get home, but I guess the adrenaline of being so close to home helped wake me up, and I turned out all right. But, yeah, Saturday was a day of relaxation for the for the most part. Well, you know, you can always call me when you're out there on I-20 and, and lonely. I'll, I'll answer your call all the time. So either that or stop and get an espresso there in, at, on 820 and 20 at the, at the Starbucks in White Settlement. So, glad, man, that was a weird day. That was a weird game. You know, when you set it in context of it's a Friday night, which I, I think God uh, sent the rain to show that college football should not be played on a Friday night in high school, in Texas. Uh, and then you put a couple hour rain delay on the road. It's not like you're at home. Uh, that yeah. that just makes for some weird, weird situations. So, uh, Daniel, I know that you were brave enough to stay home and watch the game as I did. Uh, what is uh, you were late last week. You didn't go this week. Um, I'm, I'm not going to call into question your frog friend credentials, but I got to ask you, what in the world did you what is one takeaway that we have even from uh, from this weird, sloppy, choppy, weird game that is going to help project forward who the frogs are going to be this Saturday against Ohio State? Well, I put together some sound effects that I thought highlighted each crappy part of the game. So it's a little bit and I'll run it right now. Well, I'm not a crook. And that was the game, in my opinion. <laughs> the first, That's the first half, especially. <laughs> that that is acceptable. Let's let's hit two things right out of the gate, and then I, I've got I got to work in theory. Uh, number one, I, I think it was the second play. SMU takes it 52 yards to the house runs the ball right down our throat. We had him pinned. Uh, 
you know, Garrett Wallow missed a tackle. If he'd have wrapped the guy up, it's it's just third down, you know, and or second down. But that was a weird play. And right away, you knew on their first drive, oh, my gosh, we might win, but this is going to be really, really weird. And then you put on top of that Adam Nunez taking the punt, dropping it, picking it up. And then it rolls out the back of the end zone for safety. That, that we had a safety against Baylor last year. We have a safety against SMU yeah. this year. That just, you know, the, all we needed was was a one point safety on a on a try, which I, I think there was in a, the Kansas State UCLA Alamo Bowl a couple of years ago. That's all we needed for the for the trifecta of of weird plays that could have happen. But what what was going through your mind as you guys were seeing those two things unfold? Because I was freaking out. I'll tell you what was going down in my stomach was straight whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) You start having flashbacks of 2011. I was going to hold off and just, you know, that way I could, you know, I don't even remember that second half of the game, Hartley, because it was, it was bad. So I was like, oh my God, every possible thing that you could imagine going wrong went wrong. So we're in the press box. I was with Drew Davison, Jamie Plunkett to my left, and then Billy Wessels uh, was to my right. And we were just commenting and laughing how crazy the game already was. You had, obviously, the missed tackle on the first drive um, with with the crazy touchdown. Then you had TCU's offense. They go out and they drop a couple passes. I think Jalen dropped a pass on the first drive. In the second drive, you had Jerrison Stewart dropping an easy pass. That Both those passes almost went right into the arm of SMU defensive backs. And so when they're getting ready to line up to punt, it's it's Adam Nunez's uh, – Time to go out there and punt. Billy Wessels tells me, watch Adam fumble this snap. That's just the way this game has gone already. And I said, oh, man, don't don't jinx him like that. Sure enough, snaps a little off, goes right through Adam's hands. He picks it up. Thankfully, he picks it up. Then he starts running for his life. And he fumbles the ball. And you have this melee down there with SMU players trying to get the ball. And so when they're sliding in to try to pick it up, one of the guys kicks it. And ball goes flying through the back of the end zone, and it's a safety. So automatically, you're three possessions into the game. You're already down nine nothing. But it was one of those situations, guys, where you're thinking, "Man, there's there's zero chance this game's going to end up going like this the whole time." You, you there's no way TCU's going to lose to SMU. They're gonna they're gonna get it together. They're they're gonna come out, and eventually they're gonna have a big play, and they're just gonna move the ball up and down the field. This is a team that lost to North Texas. For crying out loud, the week before, not only did they lose to them, they got blown out by a Conference USA team. And North Texas is a good team. I'm not trying to discount what they've been able to do the last couple of years, but just just the fact that North Texas was already looking better than what TCU was looking through the first quarter was kind of alarming. But you just kind of knew in the back of your mind that that wasn't the way the ball game was going to go the whole way. And then, and then it went to a whole other level of crazy when we did start to get on the board. The, the second touchdown, Shewo breaks one free, gets down inside the red zone, gets down about the six. Out of nowhere, guy comes and hits him. Ball squirts out, and I'm like, we're going to have a touchback. Luckily, Jalen Austin jumped on that thing. It's not as dramatic as the tortilla tip out in Lubbock in 15. <laughs> but that was, that was another one of those crazy plays that, man, if he hadn't put his body in the right way or if the ball had kind of squirted out as he was trying to get it, we could have backed ourselves up into an even bigger, against the wall even harder. But at least the first touchdown to kind of break 
break the ice was was turpentine. They kick deep to Cavante. He takes it, cuts to the right, and then on a dime, pivots back to the left. Anybody pick up it? I think it was about the 40, 35, where he points at the punter. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> he points, and he's setting up. He's not mocking him. He's setting up the block. And so he, the yeah. blocker get there, so he just turns on another gear that nobody else has and gets down there. A couple blockers get meet him down at the five, down about the 10, keep that last guy away that was trying to make a tackle. And so the Frogs' first two touchdowns are a special teams punt return, and a fumble recovery in the end zone. And after that, the game was kind of put away. I know that we slowly kind of started to stretch the lead out there. But, man, I don't think there could have been about a worse 20 minutes to start a game against SME and still get a 30-point victory. It it was like last year. I mean, last year, if you look back at that game, it was, uh, what, 19-7? to Early on, SMU was leading, and you're just – same kind of thought. You're thinking, okay, well, when's when's TCU going to wake up? And – I don't know how much the delay had uh, had to play a part in this game. Whether that's the reason why they came out flat the way they did, they just didn't look like they were ready to be out there. They didn't look enthused to be out there on the field. Whereas SMU, they looked pumped up. I don't know how well you guys could see it on TV, but you could see it from the press box. They were pumped up on the sideline. They they really wanted to play. I mean, obviously they had a bad taste in their mouth last week with that loss to North Texas. It was embarrassing to them. And what better way to get rid of that taste than to come out and knock around the number 16 team, your rival, on national television. And, and that's really what they did the first, uh, really the first quarter. And TCU really didn't go get it going until the second quarter. And then once you thought TCU might go up even higher, it's 14 to 9 at that point. They're, they're driving down the field. And then Sean has his big first mistake of the night. He throws an interception right to the SMU linebacker. And then defensively, they can't stop SMU from driving. And that, you know, Cole Bunce, bless his heart, man, he, he, he gave every bit of his leg could handle on that 48-yard field goal attempt. But he, he hit the crossbar. Then SMU, you're thinking, okay, well, it, even the guys in the press box that cover SMU were thinking, okay, there's no way this is going to – there's no way this is going to make it. And Billy asked me, he said, what do you think? I said, Hell yeah, he's going to make it. This is the way the, the first half has gone for TCU. This guy's going to nail this field goal because that's just how it's gone for TCU this half. And sure enough, he he nailed it, and uh, it's 14-12 to 12 at halftime. And you just kind of wonder, man, is this game going to be even uglier the second half? But like you said, Jeff, they, they finally got it going and obviously outscored SMU 28 nothing in the second half. Yeah, chaos. That's, I think that's really the best way to describe it. But, you know, the rain delay – we can we can lay a lot of blame at the feet of the rain delay and they're on the road and you know they're in an uncomfortable setting but i remember watching tcu take it to k-state last year after a couple of hour rain delay and this is a k-state team that beat oklahoma state in stillwater this is a k-state team that beat ucla in a bowl game and you know i don't know anybody that's going to be able to have a team as prepared as bill snyder in a situation like that and the frogs had their way with k-state and so, I mean, I, I, obviously I wasn't inside the locker room. I'm not exactly sure the impact of that. But what I do remember is Coach Patterson saying they had a bad couple of days of practice at the end of the week. And I think that clearly was on display that first quarter, that first quarter and a half, because they were not ready to go and SMU was ready to go. Yeah. And, you know, last year that Kansas State game, that was kind of how – that's a, that's a perfect example because – Kansas State looked very stagnant coming out of that rain delay, and TCU didn't. They they knew they had a mission to accomplish. They had a lot to play for, so they were up there, and they were going to do anything they could and everything they could to 
to go out and get a big win up there in Manhattan where it's really, really tough to win. Um, but yeah, you're right. SMU just, they looked like the team that was the number 16 team in the country the first 10 minutes of the game. They, they were playing for everything and TCU just kind of had to wake up. I, I don't know if you, you guys remember that movie, The Great White Hype with Damon Wayans and uh, Peter Berg. Do you guys remember that? No, this is where I, okay, where I remind so, you you're older than I am. Uh, Okay, so well, this this is this is a movie. It's got Samuel Jackson. It's 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 a stupid movie. Okay, it's a stupid movie, and I'm going way off track here. But it's funny because Samuel Jackson is playing this character like Don King, and so he's got this Peter Berg guy, the and he's he's an Irish guy. So they're building all this publicity around this Irish guy who once beat Damon Wayans, which is the title title belt holder. When he was an amateur, that's the only loss he, the Damon Wayans character had ever had, and it was against this guy that was playing that, that Peter Berg was playing. And so they wanted a rematch, and Damon Wayans' character is way out of shape. Okay, his character's way out of shape. Peter Berg's character is coming in there, nailing them left and right, just punching them, and 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 it's making them look bad. And it's funny because at one point, Damon Wayans through his mouthpiece says. You trying to embarrass me on TV? Then he proceeds to just whoop his butt all over the ring. But that's how that's how I've got this 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 long played out analogy. That's that's kind of like TCU's like okay, you trying to embarrass us on national television? Here you go. Here, here's what your whooping's going to look like now. See, we usually do a, a Netflix caveat at the end, but th- now we just went ahead and went straight to the nineties. In hey, movies, do, so. do not. I, I, I by appreciate the way, that. Do, do not watch that movie. I mean, I, okay. I, I, mean, <laughs> I won't do I that. Think the only reason I watched that movie is because it was in the '90s, and I was much younger, and probably didn't have anything better better to watch. So don't don't waste your time. But if if you are old like me, if you're in your 40s and you did watch that movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't, <laughs> don't waste your time. Just understand it's an analogy. The point was TCU didn't want to get embarrassed on TV, and when they finally realized they were taking some punches from SMU, they decided to hit back. End of story. End of story. Well, let's do a little breakdown here. Daniel, I want to start with you. Uh, Sean Robinson is obviously going to be the most assessed player. How Sean goes, the team goes. We can really only go as far as his arm and accuracy can take us. What's your assessment of Sean's game? Um, had his first turnover. What did you think of Sean Robinson? Well, with the with the delay and the, the, the mindset, the attitude um, that the entire team seemed to have, he, I'd say he did pretty good, and he made a couple of bad throws, including the interception, which was pretty darn bad. Um, but you know, there he had a few um, incompletions that weren't really his fault, and they're actually pretty good passes. And I thought he used his feet well. Um, so, considering you know the monsoon and everything, I, I don't think he was all that bad. Um, but I can see. I don't know. I, I think at the time when I was watching it, I thought you're not as good as advertised. This team sucks. Blah blah. blah. I'm just, you know I'm throwing things, and um, like I do, uh, <laughs> <laughs> empty whiskey bottles is what yeah. I'm gathering. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sean, I thought ahead. he played as well. I thought he played well at times. He had he had some nice runs. He had some bad throws, and then he had some good throws that were drops. And so, you know, you kind of have to, you know, account for that and looking at his passing percentage. But 
you know, we're just going to find out this this Saturday, and I think that's a reoccurring theme. We're going to find out what Sean, where Sean is. It's the best measurement that the, the program can get and Sean can get this Saturday. Jeremy, let's flip over to the trenches. You've had some comments and some editorial thoughts about the offensive and defensive line and some of the maybe some growth that they need to have. What did you see on both fronts of the line that were a positive and a negative? Well, uh, on offense, I thought the offensive line played about as well as they could. Um, I, again, I don't recall Sean getting any type of pressure. Uh, he might have been hurried a couple of times. But overall, the running game did well. They had 247 yards on the ground. Darius Anderson obviously had a better game uh, against SMU than what he had against Southern. Um, Shawo had some good carries. Uh, Amari Amari's a guy that I just keep it, – it's funny because he wears number 21 and it's like watching Kyle Hicks out there. He's he's not as quick as Kyle, but you know if he comes into the game that he's not just a guy that's going to come out there and, and block or uh, just be a decoy. He could actually make some plays. But um, I, I, I thought overall the offensive line did pretty well. The penalties hurt him a little bit. Uh, Chris Gaynor was out there at right guard. I, I think moving forward you're going to see more of Trey Elliott or even Casey McDermott Vi when he gets completely healthy. Uh, the, the holding penalty by Gaynor in the third quarter was a was a uh, drive killer. Anytime you get a holding penalty, man, it almost oh. turns into a drive killer immediately, and and that was big. Uh, but overall, I thought I thought they played really well. Uh, the only other bad play I can remember is the 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 weird snap that that was another crazy play of the game. The weird oh, snap I, from. I Kelton can't believe Hollins. we forgot that. Yeah, it was just 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 really a. It, that really doesn't happen. I, it, it, I don't know how to explain it. I, I, I wish we could have talked to Kelton after the game to kind of get his take on on how that happens because I, I've just never really seen that something like that with the with the center just the ball just doesn't move and but he tried to snap it. it just a just a weird thing altogether. But I think overall, I think Baylor would call that a non snap. Yeah, probably so. But no, we're I mean, going to chalk that one up to the weather. But if you if you go back and you watch the game, and I and I did, I finally got around to watching it this morning, and I thought the lane created the the line created some good running lanes for the running backs. Um, there were some plays where we didn't get any push up front, where they didn't get a get a whole lot of push up front. But in the end, the the guys averaged um, well over five yards per carry running as a running as a team. And you can't ask for anything else. And your quarterback has not been sacked through the first two games of the year. So offensively, I like it. Defensive line, they did much, much better this game. I really liked what I saw out there. Um, they got good pressure. This, Other than the 51-yard uh, uh, run, if you look at that play, and I mentioned this on, on my defensive grade sheet, Garrett – really had a great did a great job getting in the backfield. He just needs to hold on to that tackle. Um, but that wasn't a defensive lineman. Where the defensive lineman came into play was when Garrett missed the tackle. Corey Bethley had a chance to get him, and Corey, all he did was really throw a shoulder at him, hoping he would go down, but he didn't. But I thought uh, defensively as, as a run group, they, they did a great job of filling the gaps. SMU didn't get a lot of runs up the middle. Even on those runs where they had nine and seven yards, if you go back and watch the game, you had Kimon Freeman that would run right, and they would just bottle that up. They had it; they had every gap closed, so he reverse filled and got that nine yard run. And I can't really blame the defensive line on that. They they did a great job. And uh, as far as getting to Ben Hicks, they hurried him several times. Ben Banigou had a great game. I think he had a bad taste in his mouth last week. Ty Summers had another sack, and believe it or not, guys, right now Ty Summers, although he is just in his 
second year of playing defensive end and really his first year because he only played it a couple games last year. He's already second on the team with two sacks. He's got two sacks through two games. Can't ask for much better than that. He's he's actually got more sacks than Ben Banigou right now. Uh, Corey Bethley did a great job. He had two sacks. But the defensive line in general just played a lot better. They 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 played better against better competition. And that that that's a good sign. That's a good sign to me because if you can do that against an FBS school, a, a school that has D1 kids on it, um, kids that may not have a ton of scholarship offers out of high school, but at least you're doing it against better competition than what you what you saw last week with the FCS program. But that was uh, that was a, a, a bright light for me to see them go out and perform the way they did. Not not nearly as concerned as I was last week with them, but this is going to be a tough offensive line they're going to face on Saturday with Ohio State. So the the judgment is still out there. Yeah, watching the offensive line, I thought they did a, I thought they they, they did pretty well. What's what's obvious to me is that Darius Anderson's still just a little banged up because I I, I think there were three maybe four runs that I, I kind of took a note on my little journal where I thought he takes that to the house last year or, that, or that's a twenty five yard run last year not a seven yard run and I'm looking at, at good teams against that that he was able to break those through against Oklahoma State against Oklahoma I mean like I. I think Darius Anderson, whoever's got the healing power of Jesus in their hands, lay it on his shin this week because there were a couple of times that the lane opened up and he was just not able to break it the way that he was able to last year. So I hope we have a healthy Darius Anderson this Saturday. We're going to look at uh, maybe my favorite player on the team, one of my favorite players in, in my history of following the Frogs. We're going to take a look at him in just one second here and talk about the impact that he has. But real quick, we want to uh, thank our sponsors, Teen Life. If you haven't followed them yet, go to teenlife.ngo. And if you want some information, you can go to info at teenlife.ngo. What we know is that schools are overwhelmed and understaffed, and teenagers are facing more challenges than ever before. Teen Life makes an impact by offering free support groups to schools with a community of volunteers to come and support them to face life's challenges. Because of these groups, school staffs receive the support they need and students are empowered to face the next important decision they have to make in life. Teen Life has support groups in three states, including 14 school districts right here in DFW and in TCU's backyard with Fort Worth ISD there at Pascal High School, there at McLean Middle School. So if you are interested, go ahead and follow up at teenlife.ngo. And want to thank our good friend, Jeff McCain, who's a longtime broadcast listener, who is uh, supportive of Teen Life, and you should be too. Guys, I cried a little bit thinking about Cavante Turpin not being on the team next year. The comments all over Twitter during the game was, uh, you know, basically Cavante Turpin's catching up with Perry Ellis as long as he's been at TCU. He has uh, returned a punt in this game. He caught a nice pass and took it to the house with his speed. But I just don't really think you can impact the or measure the impact that Turpin has on a game. He's able to flip the field. He's able to take one to the house. Where, where do you assess Cavante Turpin in terms of all-time special teams player at TCU? Or let me put it this way. Is he better than Jeremy Curley? Well, the record shows he is. I think so. He's got, he's got the five record. special. Yeah, yeah. He has the record now for kick returns as well as his punt returns. You know, I don't know if anybody could ever touch Curly in terms of his combo on the field, and I mean playing wideout as well as special teams. But Turpin's coming really close. Coming really close. You so. know, I think I think Cavante's got more top top line speed because um, Curly only ran I think a four six at the draft, and I think. I think obviously we've all seen that Turpin's faster. If, if you need to get a, a gauge of Turpin's speed, don't just watch the punt returns. That's that's not really a 
when, when you're already running in space like that, it, it, it can make fast guys look faster. What I would tell people to go look at is he had a play in 2015 when, when TCU beat Texas 50 to seven, they were lined up in, in a five wide and he ran a little slant over the middle. He caught it and then he just got shot out of a cannon and, and no one even came close to him. And then Friday night, he did the same thing. He caught this little five to seven yard slant from Sean Robinson. You think, okay, well, that's going to be a nice, nice, uh, you know, 12 first down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he hit the afterburners and he just hit. It's like I described. He's got 99 speed where everyone else has 85 speed for all UNCAA fans. Um, it, but he, he just exploded out of a cannon and that just shows his true speed. And I think versatility wise, I, I, I love Jeremy Curley. He was one of my favorite players ever at TCU as well. But I think just what he's able to do, the only thing that Turpin really doesn't do is, is throw like Curley does. Curley was obviously a quarterback in high school, so he had a little bit better arm, but Kurt, uh, Turpin has thrown a touchdown pass, I believe. And he's obviously ran for a touchdown, caught touchdowns. He's he scored pretty much every way you can, except as a quarterback in the Wildcat running running a uh, quarterback dive or whatever you want to call it. But uh, he's he's so versatile, and, and TCU's really going to miss him next year. And, and I'm liking the way that they've used him so far. But I think I think Sonny Cumbie's left the best tricks in the bag the first two weeks. He didn't have to pull anything out. I think you're going to see Kevontae Turpin used even more this coming Saturday. Yeah, I think so too, because his ability to to make things happen in the open field is is you you can't even put a price on it. So I expect to see a lot more Turpin this Saturday night. Frogs came in at uh, 14 in the coaches poll and 15 in the APL poll. Daniel, does that does that seem right to you? They move up two spots in the coaches poll, one spot in the AP poll. They were 16 last week, open the season at 16. Does that seem like an accurate assessment of where this team is this year so far and what we've seen? Yeah, I think it's. I feel like it's pretty fair. I mean, you, you move a little bit because you, you're now two and zero, and you beat an FBS opponent. Not a very good one, but they're still FBS, and it's a rivalry game. And there's there wasn't really a whole lot of places to move because there were other teams that jumped up higher because they had better wins, and um, and things like that. So it feels it feels about right. Yeah, I think that's that's about right. Washington is a team with a loss that's in front of the Frogs, and I, I really can't fault them. Uh, any voter that puts them in front, they played Auburn in what amounts to a home game down there at the Georgia Dome. So I, I think that's about right. But what we know, and we're going to talk about this on our next episode, if they beat Ohio State, you know, sky's the limit. Sky's the limit of where they're going to be able to go. Well, let's take a look. Uh, anything else from a SMU game before we look at the, some of the other games nationally? Anything else from SMU you guys want to highlight? Well, the the defense overall. If you guys looked at the the grade that I did, did you guys realize that they made SMU punt eleven out of sixteen possessions they had on Friday? That's not bad. And then at one point, at one point in the second half, SMU had, I think, midway through the third quarter or through the fourth quarter, they only had. They had less than ten yards in the whole half, and then Ben. ben no, they. Ben Hicks didn't even. Ben Hicks didn't even uh, get over the one hundred yard mark until the fourth quarter, throwing the football. Yeah, he was averaging less than two and a half yards a pass. Oh, how about I this? Mean, that should... <laughs> how about this? And 
I'm my pet peeve. Okay. I, I'm going to get it out in the open. And, and if you're a coach or whatever, I'm, I'm sorry. This is my pet peeve. When you're losing by 30, get the hell off the field, get the game over with. Why are you still trying to, <laughs> why are you still trying to run an offense and throw the football to stop the clock? You're down by 30. Don't, I mean, Oh, let's, let's get some practice time while they got their third teamers in there. That's great. Let's get our confidence. You know, the, the fact of the matter was, you had your starting offense out there with less than a minute to go. It wasn't your true freshman quarterback. No, it was your starting senior quarterback, fifth-year senior, Ben Hicks. Trailing by 30, they're still out there throwing the football. I mean, really? What, what, you know, what do I, you gain out of doing that? What do, what do you gain? out? Of, seriously, if you're listening to this, please post what you gain out of doing that. If, if you have your second – if you have – let me give you let me give you a caveat – if you have your true freshman quarterback in there, I might back off a little. Okay, you're trying to see what he can do. But what what good does it have to have your your fifth year senior in there throwing passes when you're down by thirty with less than a minute to go and starting two hours late? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, what, what good? I mean, maybe oh, he was trying to cover. Maybe he was trying to cover the spread him to the end. Let's fight. Well, let's fight. We got heart. We're going to show our pride and fight to the end. No. Run the stupid ball. I mean, come on. You know, I, I, you know what was funny is when they passed the ball, Ennis Gaines nearly got a freaking pick six off that. And you could hear it. It was so quiet. You can hear yeah. the ball. I was me, <laughs> Billy and I were walking down the bleachers as that was happening because that's the only way you can get down to the field at SMU. You got to walk down the bleachers. And, and uh, he was – as soon as he threw the ball, I was like, oh, I told Billy, I was like, that's a pick six. And then Ennis – he he dropped the ball, obviously, and you could just hear him. And, and then when I watched it back on TV, it's so funny because by that time there was less than five thousand. There's maybe two or three thousand people in the stadium at that point, and uh, yeah. you could hear Ennis very loudly, very clearly. And even after the game, as they're walking off the field, it, me and Ennis get—he's one of my favorite players—and he always says hi to me. He comes over to me, man. He said, "Do you see that, man?" He's like, "I lost that pick six, man." I said, "Oh, you got a hand on it. That's good, but." That's that's just the point. Why do you throw the football? You're down by thirty. You're it's it's nearly one o'clock in the morning. I, by the time the game was ending, guys, I didn't even look at my clock to see what time it was because I was already dead tired. I I, I was just cranky. ready to get out. Yeah, just cranky, whatever, ready to get out of there. But come on, man, throwing the football. You know, I with less than a minute with your I starting fish- quarterback. Come on. You know, I officiate high school football, and last year. I, I'm the white hat. I'm the crew chief, and I'm I'm following the quarterback to the side to the side as he rolls right. He throws a little out route, makes a you know completes the pass beyond the first down, and it was close to the sideline. And by by uh, the guy on my wing, you kill the clock, which you do on a first down. And so I come over and I'm like, hey, is he in or out? And the coach is like, he's in, he's in. And I realized what he was doing. He was down 36, and it was the fourth quarter. It was his way of saying, run the clock, Jeff. Don't Whatever you do, he was inbounds. Get this thing over yeah. with. So that's a coach that you would appreciate. He just wanted to go home. Oh, I appreciate you unloading on that. I respect that. I respect that. Well, a couple quick games. We'll just go through this pretty quick. Oklahoma smokes UCLA in Norman. The only thing I know, Ronnie Anderson out for the season. That's that's just terrible news. I hate hearing that for players, especially a guy like him. He is uh, – man, he's a good player. Man, he's a good player. Did you guys get to see any of that game? I watched some of it. Uh, that's part of the day where I was in and out. And I, did, I was trying to watch as much college football as I, as, as I could. 
And uh, once I saw you starting to roll, I just kind of flipped channels. But, yo, you look good, man. Oh, you look great. I mean, Kyler Murray's dangerous. I'm sorry, guys. I know oh. I don't know you guys think he's he just rolls back like people do on Madden and throw. The, I mean that that guy has got a strong arm. I'm I'm and when he was in high school, even I told everyone if that kid oh. he was already a five star, but if that kid was six three, I, I guarantee you we we wouldn't hardly be hearing about him playing baseball because he would be on everyone's draft board for football. I mean, I'm telling Cam Newton. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying he's he is yep. a. He's a very, very, very talented player, and he's going to take OU places. It's going to be a very tough game for the Frogs when they come to Fort Worth. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there, and, and he's the type of player that may be the difference maker. If they don't have Rodney Anderson, if TCU's bottling up Trey Sermon, he's got great receivers to throw to. C.D. Lamb's a great receiver. Obviously, Hollywood Brown is a great receiver. He can make plays, and as you guys saw, if you watch the game, if he gets if he gets pressured, that kid has got great, great speed. He'll, he'll, he's going to be by far the fastest quarterback TCU will play this year. That kid has got legit 4-4 to 4-3 speed. And I'm telling you, he's going to use it against TCU because they're going to they're gonna try to come after him. If he finds a crease, it's going to be some good yardage for him. Yeah, Oklahoma looked good, and there's, there's just no way around it. They're the best team in the conference. They're the team to beat. Somebody's probably going to have to beat them twice to win the conference, and I, I just don't see that happening. Man, I, I just don't see that happening. But who knows? Maybe, we, maybe the Frogs will be the team that can do it. Maybe the Frogs will be the team that can do it. Well, let's uh, look down to Austin, uh, where the mighty Texas Longhorns beat the Tulsa Hurricane, there was a big debate. Is it the Hurricane or the Hurricanes? 28 to 21 on the Longhorn Network, which I know all of you have the number memorized on your cable. That that team just looks bad. That's a team that I don't know, you know, if the week before was of mice and men and they just wanted it too much, this week was the Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> that was terrible because they you wrote looked, that down two days ago, didn't you? <laughs> probably. <laughs> Hey, I, I actually know literature, so I, I had that joke uh, sitting there. Hey, if Herman wants to wants to opine, I can I can go toe for toe with him. So uh, he only wants to prove that he's smart, even though I don't think he really is. Well, if you're smart, you know how to take a bunch of four and four star four and five star players and beat Tulsa by more than a touchdown, and not have to uh, have a game securing drive to ice the game against Tulsa. Yeah, that was just train wreck. I mean, we're going to find out a lot this week against USC, but I'm just – Texas is not back. That's the easiest way to say it. Texas is not back. Let's go to the real game that happened in Texas that we want to talk about. Did you guys get to watch that? I know you didn't, Jeremy. You went to bed. J- Daniel, did you watch the Clem- uh, watch uh, Clemson and Aggie? I did. I did. I uh, watched the whole thing. I'm not going to lie. A&M looked really good. They They had a chance to roll over. And they did not. They fought back. One, you know, came down to a two-point conversion. Uh, let's let's talk about the fun, controversial stuff. What'd you think of that touchback on the fumble at the one? Um, they need to learn how to call things better on the field because there, that wasn't, was... there wasn't enough to overturn it, so they had to leave it as it was. And that I'm pretty sure went left to the pylon. Yeah, that was a terrible call. That was a terrible call. That went left to the pylon. I don't know if it cost them the game, but it, Clemson showed they weren't able to move the ball anymore. I was more impressed with A&M's defense than I was their offense. So 
I think that uh, Jimbo. I mean, you can, you can say that this is how Texas played last year against USC, who went to, who won the Pac-12 and went to the Cotton Bowl, had you know a gritty loss, uh, you know, against USC. But that looked like a good team, and uh, I know Jimbo kind of had a joke of the last year, and I know he's got to learn his way around the the state and the conference, but. They looked pretty salty, and I, I think everybody needs to recalibrate their expectations of A&M this year. Now, they could go out and get beat by Alabama by 45 in two weeks, and that very well could happen That's and get beat by Auburn. Very possible. Very, very possible. But that said, they looked, they looked really sharp. The only other game I wanted to highlight um, that I didn't watch because I went to bed, Arizona State beat Michigan State, and Herm Edwards, who I laughed at all offseason, yep. who didn't understand recruiting, who didn't understand – I think he was really surprised that the Sun Devil's mascot was the, was the, was the devil, was the Sun Devil. They're 2-0, and and they beat a ranked Michigan State team. I, I just got to say, good for you, ASU fans. Good for you, Herm That's Edwards. And supposedly he, he had masterful clock management towards the end of that game. I, I went to bed before it was over. But that's yeah. what people were saying, and it sounds like he's sharp as a tack. You know, Michigan State was one of those teams where people were thinking may have an out, outside chance to make some playoff noise because they were. I think they won what eleven games last year as well. Yeah. What was that for? Yeah, they beat. What's uh, the rim shot for? Because the because they suck. <laughs> <laughs> they, well, they're not an outside shot for the playoffs now. No. Well, maybe they, maybe if they go undefeated and run the table, but. Yeah, they beat Penn State last year. I mean, that's a good team. They beat Michigan last year. Not that Michigan's great, but yeah, Michigan State had a really solid season last year in one of the toughest divisions in college football. So, yeah, good for you, ASU. That's all I got to say. Their AD's got to look. AD probably saved a whole bunch of tweets, and he's going to bump them when they go nine and three and uh, make their way to the Alamo Bowl. I say, good for you. Hey, I like I like bold. You can't encourage bold hires and then mock bold hires, which I did. Because sometimes it works out, and it, it worked out for ASU. It's better than hiring the offensive coordinator from from Oregon or something just to say, "Hey, he's in the conference and knows what he's doing." Or, Do something different. Or Tom Herman. Or Tom Herman, yeah. Or or Tom. He's better than Todd Graham, that's for sure. He's uh, he, Todd Graham wasn't going to beat Michigan State. Well, guys, we're going to bring this show to a close. You'll be able to pick us up in a couple of days here with our Ohio State preview. But we're going to wrap this up. The Frogs get a victory, 42-12, to against SMU. They're going to Jerry World this Saturday, and they're having hosting game day on Saturday morning. So we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Share it with your friends. If you haven't yet, please get on iTunes, get on Twitter, get on Facebook, and share and follow us on there. And if you haven't joined Horn Frog Blitz, you need to fix that right now because you're going to find the best inside information for TCU football on Horn Frog Blitz. Jeremy Clark bringing you great content every day. So for Jeremy and for Daniel, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.